HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash speakeasy. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Fellas. Hey, guys. How are you? Uh, you know, once again, distancing. Uh, we're all in different rooms, so it'll be a little choppy at first, but I feel like every time we get a, we get a good rhythm going, but I'm doing okay. Damon, how are you on the West Coast? I'm uh, a little hungover today. Um, <laughs> why, 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 why might that be? Well, it's... Was it Cinco de Mayo? It was that, but it was also Grand Army's five-year anniversary yesterday, and That's right. so uh, we were socially, still social, but distant, you know, like we've been saying on the show a lot, and uh, I, I'm looking around my desk, uh, I've got a lot of empty bottles, uh, big bottles that are empty, and that I was sharing with my, my awesome staff at Grand Army, so uh, yeah, I'm moving a little slow today, but it's fine. <laughs> you guys get together on a Zoom party? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I had to... Uh, officially buy into zoom the 40 minute uh long <laughs> meetings weren't enough so uh <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm i'm officially in the system as it were well i'm really very happy to hear uh that you found a way to celebrate a milestone five years is no joke in our business it's certainly no joke in new york city um you know your bar is beloved by many including myself of course uh, i'm really happy that you got an opportunity to celebrate with your team yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know, they were all there and happy, and got to. Uh, I even got to catch up with quite a few of the original staff members yesterday. Um, like Chad Dukowski was one of them. We talked for a long time, and oh yeah, you know, it's just it's good just to catch up with the the team. And you know, five years seems seems like a long time sometimes, and sometimes sometimes it also feels like you know just a a flash in the pan. But uh, you know, it's. There's a lot that can happen in, in one year, let alone five. So a lot to be thankful for, even in this weird time. Uh, you know, it's we're getting through it, so it's good. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like it's you know you gotta celebrate where you can. Greg, mm-hmm. what's going on with you, bud? Uh, I did a little celebrating myself yesterday. Actually, uh, I have a, a Cinco de Mayo birthday, which was um, happy birthday, Greg. Thanks, happy man. Birthday. So I'm also a little bit hungover today, uh, but it was it was nice. I went up on uh, our neighbor's roof, and you know, at at this point, actual real time contact, even from a safe distance, kind of feels like Bonnaroo. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, you know, at, at no point at no point did I feel like I was missing out or anything like that, which was nice. It was still, you know, you get your your around the people that you care about in a broader sense uh, aided by social media and texts and voicemails and the internet and stuff like that, even if you're not around them physically. Um, And it was a nice day. I also had something kind of odd happen recently. I had this old regular from a bar I worked at about three years ago who was a nurse up at uh, Lincoln Medical in the Bronx. And I talked to her for a while or honestly, you know, one of those ones where like, you don't really think about someone for a while until I was reading a story in the New York Times, the local paper, 
about <laughs> how uh, you know it was it was one of these pieces about how the conditions are for essential workers on the front lines in hospitals and spoiler alert it's bad um and one of the people that they quoted in the story was my friend so i got the opportunity to send a very odd text that said hey hope you've been well sorry i haven't talked in a while but i just read about you in the new york times <laughs> are you okay um and she got back to me and uh said that you know yes thanks for reaching out um you know, we were, we got to chatting and I said, Hey, like whenever, whenever going into bars is a thing again, come into wherever I am. I feel like it's my civic duty to get you as drunk as you want. And she said, Oh yes, absolutely. She's like, I'm going on the bender to end all benders as soon as I can. And no one's going to tell me otherwise. And you know what? I took some very good lessons from that. Uh, lesson number one, if you have ever had a regular who is a healthcare professional. Now is definitely the time to text mm-hmm. them and see how they're doing. Um, but also, you know, if if she's at the front lines of this thing and working like 12-hour shifts seven days a week and she can envision a future where she can go back out to bars, uh, it's it's something that's in reach for all of us, I think, because of that, you know? Yeah, and certainly inspires some hope, I think. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. As for me, uh, I, as you know, don't get hangovers, so up yours, <laughs> both of you. Um, but I did do a bit of celebrating uh, uh, the night before last. Uh, you know, Speakeasy Podcast, our little show here, was nominated. Uh, the for, local uh, show. Yes, uh, that we're, we're in the top ten uh, for the uh, best podcast broadcaster video series on Tales of the Cocktails Spirited Awards for this year. And at first I was a little bit uh, hesitant to post anything about it or to even really talk about it. I feel somewhat... Um, uh, there was some. There was an overshadowing of, of guilt uh, associated with trying to celebrate during uh, during a time when things are going so uh, um, pear shaped. Um, but I came to my senses as I got drunker throughout the day, and I did post about it. And, and, and the and the responses that I've gotten, I posted that I felt this way, and the responses that I've gotten are uh, pretty overwhelmingly positive. So really happy to 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 be in the mix again. It's our third year being nominated. Um, you know, hopefully one of these years we'll win. Um, but either way, it's great to be invited to the dance, and I'm, I'm excited to be there. So, um, I do want to yeah. point out something slightly negative, uh, but I, I would feel remiss if I didn't mention it. Um, you know, one of my favorite bars in the world, Bargoto, um, uh, Chris Reed, who who uh, uh, suffered from ALS and, and you know was relieved from his position because of the, the disease some time ago, sadly passed away over the weekend. Um, so we're grieving the loss of a, of a comrade in arms and. Uh, you know, it makes it especially tough during this time because we, we don't even understand how we can get together and grieve together. We're, we're, we're trying to put something together now, and it might be, uh, you know, it might be a Zoom wake, um, which is a horrible thing. But, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, that things are going well and things are going poorly. This is the nature of the times, and frankly, it's the nature of all times. So, yeah, for uh, sure. So there we are. Um, Greg, you want to bring our guests into the room from afar? Absolutely. So yeah, joining us from New York and Helsinki, respectively, uh, we've got Evan Burns and Ere Partinen uh, from The Long Drink Company. How's it going, guys? Great. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, man. In fact, uh, now seems like a good time for me to do this because I've got some (laughs) long drink in front of me right now. Cheers. Nice. That's nice. Uh, I mean, I guess one of the... Yeah, I guess one of the great advantages uh, to this new uh, programming that we're having to deal with, with being in different rooms, means that we can be together with people from all over the place. And I think you're the furthest away so far, Ere, being in uh, Helsinki. Um, but so, you know, we've got three of us here in New York, but in different places, Damon on the West Coast uh, and you in Helsinki. Um, but uh, Greg just cracked open a long drink. Uh, and then there's a there's a, there's a a term that I, I'm not even going to attempt at this moment until I hear someone do it first uh, that, that <laughs> describes what it is that, that this drink is encouraging. Can, can we talk about that to just kick it off, Eddie? So I'm guessing you're talking about uh, Kalsari Kennit. Yeah, you're going to have to say that slower. <laughs> so Kalsari uh, Kennit, so, uh, actually for you guys, we, we translated that to, to pants drunk. Uh, pants drunk. The, yeah, so that's pretty much the the direct translation of the of the term. So, uh, what it actually means is uh, drinking at home in your underwear, uh, so without any pants on uh, and with no intention of 
of going out. So it's just a concept of uh, of drinking that is very suitable for the for the current times of social distancing. Right. So effectively, even though it translates to pants drunk, it's pantsless drunk. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> they were drunk when they came up with it. Probably. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And this isn't this isn't a thing that you came up with. This is a thing that's been around in Finnish culture for for a long time, right? Yeah, it's been around. I I don't even know for how long. It's just something that uh, that is passed from a generation to the to the other. Well, and here's here's the uh, hard hitting Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Award nominated journalism question for you: Are you wearing <laughs> pants right now? Um, I am not wearing pants that I would go out in. So. <laughs> ah, there we go. That counts. <laughs> well, let's bear in mind it's uh, it's uh, two two in the afternoon here in New York, uh, so that means it's uh, a few hours earlier for Damon, but it's uh, nine p.m. for you, right? That is correct. So it seems reasonable to be home home in pants you're not willing to go out in. Um, Talk to us a little bit just how this whole thing got started. I, I see in my notes here uh, that it started maybe, uh, the, the, the phenomenon anyway, started during the 52 Helsinki Summer Games. Yeah, so, so what started then was, was more of the, the phenomenon of, of the long drink, which is uh, obviously our, our product. So, uh, so in 1952, uh, Finland was hosting the Summer Olympics and in order to do those those successfully, uh, we obviously had we were a very small country, so we had to to build all the logistics, build the stadiums, and all that stuff. But one of the the big concerns was uh, was how to serve alcohol quickly, um, and that this that this was a government level issue. So the government got together and uh, and started thinking about that, and uh, they decided to start mixing um, gin and grapefruit together, putting that in cans and bottles, and distributing that to all the bars in Helsinki. And that's how Long Drink was born. Um, so they created, uh, th- they created this uh, ready-to-serve drink. Uh, they named it Long Drink, and they basically saved the Olympics. The bartenders didn't have to mix their own drinks. Uh, it was a, this long drink, as it's it's a gin drink, it's very easy, quick to make uh, on a big scale. Um, so they saved the Olympics. Everyone had a good time, and we've had long drinks ever since. Um, pretty quickly, it actually became the number one selling alcohol in Finland uh, in the in the government-owned retail liquor store chain, and uh, and it's it's just been here. As long, well, obviously, as long as I remember, I was born in '92. So, uh, but it was it was ever never sold anywhere else than Finland. So that's kind of where I I come to the picture, and Evan as well, uh, that we were the first ones to actually um, start selling long drink outside of Finland. So the original long drink just gin and juice, grapefruit juice, um, but then there are many other drinks that can fall into the category, right? Basically, yeah. Basically, yeah. And it's it's expanding all the time, especially in in Finland. Like people are coming up with new variations. Uh, they are normally all made with with gin, but uh, but it's all called long drink. So it's not like in the U.S. Now you have the ready to drinks and you have the canned cocktails and the seltzers and all that stuff. Uh, in Finland, it's just we are calling those, these drinks long drinks. They are not. Like they are not replacing any any cocktails in bars. Like if someone wants to to get a martini, he, he or she is still gonna get that. Or even a gin and tonic, they will order that. This is more of something that is like replacing beer or a cider. Uh, or if you're if you're kind of like if if you can't decide if you want to have a beer or or a cocktail, maybe this is something in between. Yeah, how does it fall into the in-between? Uh, talk to me about what's in Long Drink, just the original one. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's uh, um, like, what's in there? What's the ABV? Like, I get what you're saying. It does seem like it fits right in between a, a cocktail and a beer. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a lower ABV, so it's five and a half. So it's a uh, it's very easy, refreshing drink. You can, because of the lower ABV, you can really <laughs> drink it all day, all day long. But it's just the, the drinking habits. Uh, 
why it, it fits in between. I don't really know the reasons behind why why it's like it's kind of like a replacement more of more for beer than cocktails. But we are also seeing that in the U.S. that the people are switching. Uh, oh, massive things like things like White Claw are taking off. Uh, uh, you know, carbonated seltzer style drinks are are, are growing by three hundred percent market share per year over the last two years. It's incredible. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is Evan. So I was the uh, I was friends with the editor. We met in the U.S. and I was the the American guy, lucky enough to like taste these and like, wow, these are amazing. But I think what what's kind of interesting is like this is sort of the drink that defines the drinking culture of that nation. I mean, often people are like, oh, is this like is this like um, you know Foster's to Australian or something like that, where it's just a marketing gimmick? I'm like, no, this is like actually the real. It's a major thing in that country. They drink a ton of it, and uh, and it's all backgrounds. Like it's young, old. People that are, you know, from the city, from rural areas, uh, men, women, it, it's, it's just like pervasive. So I think that's one of the things that we, I was surprised by that has ended up being pretty true in the U.S. also. And it's, it's also, it's not just the summer. Like you see a lot of the seltzers. This is something that people have been drinking year round here and also drinking year round there. And of course, Finland's freezing cold three quarters of the year. So that's not a surprise. So I have a question about, so the term long drink, I mean, like this product is, the name is long drink, but then were there any like legalities with like any kind of kind of copyright for the name long drink and then naming the company long drink? Just since it's been around for so long, I was just wondering if that was like something that was like, are there other uh, brands of long drink that are packaged that, that are kind of like traditional from back in 1952? Yeah, so in, in Finland, they're all called long drink. And I, I guess it, it, it could be, it, we could have made it to be a similar thing to like champagne, for example. But we, Finns, we've never really been very good in, in branding and international sales. <laughs> so uh, so no, I, I guess no one really thought about that. So so that's exactly kind of like what our thinking was that, okay, it's, uh, it's the first, this is going to be the first long drink sold outside of finland and there's gonna be a lot of people in the u.s who have been to finland and they've had someone else's long drinks so we're just gonna name it name ours long drink so people can recognize it i love it simple straightforward to the point it's great and uh you guys won uh gold at the new york international spirits competition last year i'm yeah. a judge for them actually um oh cool thank you but uh <laughs> well you know i I like <laughs> I like a simple, uh, straightforward product, um, <laughs> and it's cool because, like, especially you kind of like nailed the timing, right? I mean, like, this is, I mean, obviously it's been around for a very long time, but you know, there's been a whole like RTD, like ready to drink category, in the United States for the last like I don't know, I'd say like seven years or so, it started popping into the spirits competitions, and you know, it's it's been kind of interesting seeing how different brands old and new are developing their flavor profiles and different products that they're packaging uh, as a ready to drink product. But you guys have been doing it for so long that you've got it down. I like a lot of, uh, a lot of what I see from pack, like prepackaged like drinks like this is I go, I go camping all the time and like I go to the beach and like, I always want to like, if I go on a long bike ride, I always put like a beer or a cider or something in my backpack. So like, this is perfect for for me. Unfortunately, I don't know where to find it in California, but <laughs> but I can find it in New York. So that's good. Are you uh, as far as that goes? As far as distribution goes, are you? Do you have a plan to go like to expand further? Uh, right yeah, now, yeah, we do. I mean, uh, we we start off just really in, in you know small parts in New York. And uh, in the Hamptons, the first summer, which is a couple summers ago, and now we're we're expanding across the country. So we've got nine states we sell it in. We just had you know, four uh, towards the end of last year, so we've been pretty aggressively adding new states. Cool. I think our whole thought is like because of the taste profile, which people seem to love, we want to get it out to everybody in America. Yeah, I think it's a great time to be doing it. I mean, it's a it's a very interesting time right now. But uh, you know, like I said, there's there were a lot of over the past like five or so five to seven years there's been a lot of rtds that have come and gone because i you know they're just not really i think it takes time to develop something that's going to be like essentially mm -hmm. shelf stable and it's going to be delicious and it's going to like kind of like 
stand the test of time. You've you've had a, an advantage on all the modern RTDs for a very long time. So it's and it's, it seems like a lot of people have been like just trying really hard to be unique and trying yeah, like, to unique, which I understand. You have to do that as a business, but I think one of the things we've been lucky, thanks to you know, the Finnish culture, is there's this nearly seven year old product and story that no no one company owns and the, the, the culture is kind of collective, collectively built and iterated on. And I think, I think Americans like that type of stuff. They like the authentic things. They like things that have a real history to them. Yeah. Uh, they sure. like things that are tasty like this. So um, I think that that timing certainly worked out in a lucky way for us. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I, I, yeah, you're, you're correct. You know, a lot of the RTDs kind of started out with things like, uh, Genitonics and Moscow mules and, mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, I know that there was like some, what was there like a Ray and Ting kind of situation, like a rum and like grapefruit soda, like a Jamaican thing. I think at some point um, that I tried, uh, you know, I feel I, like I, I, at all at this point. <laughs> yeah, and like, but but I do like like what you said about like the. The simplicity uh, and the straightforwardness of this drink recipe and how it's kind of become its like own finished like kind of icon. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, for I sure. think there's so much competition in the United States with, especially with things like White Claw and you know, like that whole category is like insane right now. Um, of, like the, the alcoholic seltzer waters, um, and it's it's kind of. It's kind of easy to get lost, I would say, in the United States market with RTDs. So I think it's cool coming from a different angle, and it's got a and it, with a, a really long story too. It's great. I, I like I like the stories. I'm also interested in um, the fact that you have you offer a long drink strong, right? Um, which uh, considerably more alcohol by content than than uh, the standard one, and and then uh, and then. Uh, I think that eight point five percent. That seems the highest I've, I've seen from anybody from uh, like Truly or or White Claw or any of those other competitors that are out there. Um, uh, so that's a that's a pretty cool angle as well, I think. And, and I noticed the cranberry one. Is that one all the time, or is that just a seasonal offering? Uh, it's probably to be all the time. We just launched it as sort of a seasonal thing, but people seem to like it. So we made some more after after the holidays, and people seem to like it more. So we'll see. It's one of the bigger drinks and one of the bigger flavors in Finland. So it'll probably end up being a they stay around for a while product. Yeah. Have you guys, both had, have you guys both had the eight and a half percent strong? No, I haven't had it yet. I've only seen it, uh, uh advertised. Um, um, I've only had one so far of the long drink, uh, that, that you sent me. Um, planning on knocking the rest of them down tomorrow on my day off. Nice. Um, <laughs> it's strong as, you know, it, it's, it's hard to explain what, what the regular long drink tastes like. Cause I'm not necessarily a gin fan. Now, of course, if a really great cocktail is made, gin can be amazing. Um, but you know, I'm not really a huge gin fan and I'm not really a big grapefruit fan either, but it technically is gin and grapefruit, but a lot of consumers describe it as sort of like a boozy fresca. Um, so it's really easy to drink, pretty crushable. And at five and a half percent. I would back that up a hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much exactly what it tastes like. Uh, really, you know, like crisp, refreshing, that fresco vibe, yeah. uh, a little bit, a little bit of herbal notes on the backside. Uh, but again, you know, really good bubble. That's another thing I find sometimes when I'm drinking these, um, uh, carbonated uh, RTDs is the bubble isn't as as aggressive as I'd like it to be, but the bubble the bubble in long drink seems good because there's not a lot of other shit getting in the way of the bubbles, you know. I know right, I, right, yeah. I like putting dry vermouth in my soda stream and charging it, you know. Like, so I, I get what you're saying. Like, <laughs> I've I've tried it with champagne too, just to like make it even more bubbly. Um, that that ended badly, but uh, I yeah I I get you. You know, another thing to me is like the. I like to joke around about I love cider and um and I kind of I say that's what I drink when I'm not drinking um or when I'm not supposed to be like if I'm going to like before I go to work if I don't want to smell like fernet or beer or anything I'm drinking cider um <laughs> but this is like totally one of those kinds of drinks where you can like have one or two and then like not like not smell like you've been drinking <laughs> basically <laughs> I'm sounding like a complete alcoholic right now. Uh, I, isolation's done a lot to me. <laughs> it's not a fun. I, I chuckled over my, my breath at Fernet's because I, I've had that thought before also. A few, few members on our team love that. It's you know, such an industry drink. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's weird because you can drink it and, you know, 
this is one of the main reasons why you know I sort of pushed my Finnish friends. I was like, look, we should really think about bringing this to the U.S. It's super tasty. People, you know, it's easy to drink because it's a liquor. Unlike the malts or the beers, it doesn't really give you that bloaty feeling, um, and and it's it's it doesn't have a lot of like aftertaste or you know you can you can have one or two and it usually isn't creating much of a an issue. You know, you're not wobbling around or it's not on your breath, so it's just it's just an easy drinker, which is I think why people like it. Yeah, I think even the title of it, long drink, implies that you know you can drink it over a long period of time. It implies that it is a long drink, which is you know typically something uh, when we say long drink in America, we typically think of something you know over ice and and, and seltzer, so it's been lengthened. Uh, so it all seems to make sense. Um, team, we should take a quick break and hear from our sponsors here at Heritage Radio Network. We'll be back in just a second with Evan Burns and Era Partinen of Long Drink. Uh, stay stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in, and restaurants have had to pivot to pickup and delivery only. HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's, but since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. If you run a restaurant or small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash speakeasy. And we're back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, we've been talking about long drink today, the pride of Finnish drinking culture, <laughs> and uh, certainly yeah. a great thing to have around right now. Um, nothing, nothing more to be proud of than drinking without your pants on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing. I, like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how this isn't an American invention, honestly. Like, how did the Finns yeah. beat us to this? Um, Evan, I, what you, you, I, I was just gonna go say ahead, that yeah I was gonna say that like to me like what really sells me like I I love like situational drinking and occasional like you know like any kind of like ritual that goes with with drinking and eating and so to me this is one that I haven't really well I've done before but I didn't I, I thought I'd kind of made it up but uh, I'm glad to know that it's something that's been around for a long time and I feel great about it I fully support this this drinking style. <laughs> it's kind of comforting that there is something innate in human nature that makes us want to sit around in our underwear and drink at home. But <laughs> the, it's it's also nice that uh, there was an enterprising country that decided, you know what, this 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 phenomenon is so nice, we need to name it something simple. Like I'm not even going to take a stab at the Finnish pronunciation of it that you did for us earlier. But panstrunk, I like that. Yeah, yeah no, um, I don't know if you guys saw, but the, the government actually created uh, panstrunk emojis. No <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Um, so, Evan, you're sort of the American counterpart to this whole situation with Ere back in uh, Finland. Um, what, what's your connection? Are you guys uh, old pals? Uh, did you just uh, meet drinking uh, in your underpants somewhere? How did this get going? <laughs> yeah, we, we did have our pants on when we met, luckily. Um, yeah, you know, Ere and I, we, we were old pals, and there's two other Finnish guys that are involved as co, co-founders uh-huh. of the business. And, uh, you know, I'll save that story, but, you know, we all met in the U.S. and they were, they were studying in the U.S. for quite a while. And they were like, look, when we go back to Finland and when you come to Europe, you have to come visit us. We want to show you all the, the cool Finnish things to do. So I did. You know, it was a while, a while but I did. And we went up, went up to Helsinki and kind of outside the city. And we were doing all the typical, stereotypical Finnish things, you know, like eating reindeer, which I always joke I didn't realize that reindeer was an actual animal. I thought it was like a mythical Christmas creature. So we're, we're Wait, it is real? Yeah, it is. It is real. Like okay. Reindeer farm. Yeah. And you uh, can eat them. Yeah, you can. You know, it's, it's basically deer, but I guess it's classified. It's yeah. So eating reindeer and, you know, going in sauna. Sauna is the only word that, that's actually in English that's a Finnish word. So, of course, now we have Kalsari Khanit, but 
uh, that was the original, original only Finnish word in English. And so going to saunas, there's more saunas than uh, cars in that country, which is wild. Um, and then, you know, they were go after the sauna, we'd go cut a giant hole in the ice in the Baltic Sea and jump in. So all the classical, traditional Finnish things, all these different uh, experiences. But at everything we were doing, we were always drinking some of these long drinks. And I'm loving it. I'm like, this, this stuff tastes amazing. And, um, you know, they told me this story about being invited for the Olympics, which, you know, by the way, the fact that the government decides that the drink served is one of the main priorities for hosting the Olympics says a lot about how, <laughs> how cool the Finnish people are. Sure. Uh, sure. When your when your when your government steps forward and says, "I need to create a way where we can serve drinks faster," I'm on board. Yeah, exactly. Like, like imagine <laughs> if the U.S. government came out and said, "Hey, you know, Trump's got some big plan for some new national drink. It'd be hilarious." So, oh God. So it says some, said something about Finland, but you know, they told me this story, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And, and when I learned that it was truly a category in the country, and that and then it wasn't just a touristy thing. You know, I made the joke about Foster's earlier, but. You know, even Guinness to the Irish, I mean, that's certainly a big thing, but it doesn't hold a candle to how big long drinks are uh, in Finland to the Finnish, the actual Finnish people. I was like, this is great. And, you know, over a few other visits and our friendships all growing closer, we, you know, kept after a few long drinks saying like, look, maybe we should do this in the U.S. And, and long story short, we we uh, started a company together and we said, look, let's make it a, a Finnish-American partnership where we can, you know, use the American, American side to really figure out how to get into the market and the unique uniqueness of the U.S. market, and, and we're going to have it, you know, half finished owned with Finnish co-founders to make sure, you know, we're really being true to the business and bringing the authenticity of it, and that was the idea. So that's where we launched it a couple of years ago. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, and you, you, you mentioned earlier you're in nine states so far. Can you list them off your head real quick so people can know where they can get you? I can, yeah. So Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Georgia. Texas, Nevada. I would think Florida would be uh, high in your target uh, area. Uh, seems, seems like this is such a beachable. I grew up in Florida. This is like such a beachable drink. Yeah, it's very high. I mean, look, we, we want to be everywhere. I mean, the goal for this, because the thing is like, and look, I didn't invent this, so I certainly don't say this with any pride, but everybody kind of likes it. I mean, you know, we did some, some studies and it's over, it's like in the upper 80% of people who like it and want to recommend it to their friends, which, you know, in food and beverage, that's like pizza territory. So, you know, the Finnish folks just really have found something interesting. And our viewpoint is we want to build a category of long drinks in the U.S. just like exists in Finland. You know, one of my, one of my uh, immediate go-tos, just like Souther said about going to the beach, another one I think of that's hard to do right now, but, like, this is something that, you know, during the summertime when there's, like, a lot of music festivals and things like that, like, this is, like, where people would just, you would crush it, people would be crushing them, you know, like, so hopefully, like once we get back to uh, festival season, yeah, we can uh, see that around a lot more. Right. Um, well, Damon, that that actually is a great segue. Once we get back to festival season, which we have no real clue of when that's going to be, um, how uh, uh, Ere and Evan, how are you guys um, navigating or, or you know trying to uh, uh, you know point your business model? Uh, which I guess a lot of the rules, just like for us in the bars and restaurants have to be sort of thrown out the window right now. What are you guys doing to market yourselves uh, at this moment? I mean, I, I, you know, I think that you, you've got a sort of a built-in, right? A pan, take your pants off and drink at home. Well, that's what everybody has to do right now. But you have to, you have to catch their eye before that, right? And now everybody's stuck at home, so they can't, you can't catch their eye. How are you, how are you managing with that? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and luckily, you know, a couple months ago, we were really concerned about it. We're a very small new brand, uh, at least to the U.S. And um, like you said, I mean, if, if if you can't go in and shop at a liquor store, if you can't go shop at grocery, you're not going to pick up something new. You're just, you know, you're ordering what you already know. So it's hard. And I think a lot of, a lot of other people we've talked to are in a really tough position. And then what we really did was just you know, step back and say, what can we really do? Be smart with the resources and creativity to try to get people talking about the brand. And, you know, going back to Finnish culture, we can tap into that a lot. And the, the calcary can it thing, we're like, man, that's, that's sort of like social distancing. What if we could do a fun little, a fun little uh, movement where, you know, we can you know challenge people that love long drink if they'll if they'll post a picture of them you know doing the pants drunk move it and tag us instead of that money we would have spent on you know Facebook or Instagram marketing giving it to some billion dollar companies we'll give it to the bartenders guild so we just sort of did it as a fun thing and we're hoping that would work and look who knows how much impact it's had but it's certainly been a fun thing that's you know, I think brought some smiles to people's faces so it's been a lot of that how do we just how do we try to remain relevant and top of mind to people who are you know already really big fans of the brand and. You know, if they want to tell their friends about it and their friends want to try something new, great. So I think the creativity piece is what we've tried to do 
uh, the most in this pretty weird time. Well, can you uh, walk us through the specifics of how the uh, the pants drunk Instagram movement works in case uh, anybody listening at home, if you're already sitting around drinking in your underwear and you want to do it for a good cause, uh, how, how would you do that uh, in concert with the good folks at Long Drink? Yes, yes. It's a great question. So if somebody is at home, they've got a long drink and, you know, if they're wearing pants or not, we're not we're not too specific about it. Uh, but in the spirit of the, the Finnish tradition, you know, and, and uh, shorts or something. Tag a tag a picture of drinking a large with a long drink. Tag long drink on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, um, and we'll donate ten dollars per post to the U.S. Bartenders Guild, which is helping bartenders in need. Fantastic! Yeah, that's outstanding. On your Instagram, uh, you have a, a video of of someone doing that exactly and, and giving and laying down the rules, so people can go check out your Instagram as well, right? Yep, and it's at the long drink. The long drink, all spelled out. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I think that you know the fact that the, the the notion is to drink in your underwear that just sets up the the that sets the hard tone for the for the for the drinking style, which is just as relaxed as you'd like to be. I don't think it's uh, as you mentioned not a requirement to be in your underpants uh, or naked or what have you, but a requirement to be relaxed, right? A requirement to be uh, you know, sort of snugged in, like, uh, you yeah. know, the plan is, uh, I'm, I'm drinking this in my underwear because I'm, I'm not in any intention thinking of going out tonight. Well, you can be as dressed up as you want and still not be any intention of going out tonight. Just enjoy the drink. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We have got, we've got some very weird tags. I'll say that. Yeah. The idea is just to be uh, comfortable in your own home. Uh, right, which is what I hope we all are right now, because we are faced with little other choice. Um, so you know, if, you, if you're, you know, and I know that also puts us in a, in a position of some privilege. But if you're in a position where you can have a drink at home and you're comfortable in your home, uh, all the better. If you can do a little help for for struggling uh, members of the hospitality community by 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 doing this, and a little bit of money goes towards them, right? Exactly. What? So. Am I allowed to take my shirt off too? Because it's already off. Whatever makes you comfortable. Listen, I, I'm looking forward to the photo of Damon with nothing but a long drink in his hand and a hat. Yeah. <laughs> and was, that, was that long drink you cracked open? Was that the, uh, was the strong version? Is that why this is happening? <laughs> well, I don't have it here. It's not available in California. Oh, but, okay. Sorry. About to make but can I, uh, can I order it online? Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. can ship it to California? Yeah, the, the strong is the strong is kind of scary. You know, I had it, I had it the first time in Finland, of course, and I can't remember what we were doing, but I wasn't really paying attention. And in Finland, it's only seven and a half percent. So we actually amped it up a little bit for the U.S. market, and you know, because it drinks so easy, like a Fresca, you can you can have a few pretty quickly without noticing. It's not like drinking a, a heavier IPA or something. I remember I had like you know, we were doing something. I had three or four, and uh, I think it was cooking outside. I only had done a sauna. That's what it was. And I had three or four, and then all of a sudden it was five, and all of a sudden I'm like, what the heck just happened? And uh, so that's the problem with long drink strong is, you know, you have a few and also you're like, dang, it hits you pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a sauna, like the heat's already going to like affect you in a certain way. And, uh, you know, you're stacking alcohol on top of that, especially a higher proof. I was wondering, yeah, Eric, like, what, what's the, what's the degree Celsius you guys are doing saunas at over there? So that's like from 80, 80 to hundred Celsius. And water, and water boils at a hundred degrees Celsius. So, I mean, it's like insanely hot Yeah, and they're in it for like, a while. Yeah, so you have to drink, you have to drink a lot during that. That's a that's a yeah, requirement. Yeah, you have to stay hydrated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if long drink helps with that. I don't think I've ever remembered finishing a sauna. <laughs> and do you, do you do you run from the sauna out into the snow and back again, or is that is that part of the process? Yeah, yeah. Or you you like Evan was explaining, you make a you make a hole in the in the sea or or the lake, and you go swimming. And they do this, like, the weird thing is, which is shocking to me as an American, they, they do it nude. I'm talking, like, you know, multi-generational, you know, everybody's just naked. So as an American, I was, like, shocked. Yeah, Americans are pretty embarrassed and, and uh, prudish about nudity, but, uh, yeah, the rest of the world's pretty pretty in tune with the, with the idea that we're all the same, basically. Yeah, Maybe but you're, you're, you're not embarrassed going into the, the, the ice hole. You're embarrassed coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's great. Well, there's like a, you guys used to have a sauna world championship and I tell that really quickly what happened oh yeah that was like uh, the last one was like maybe six seven years ago uh we can't we can't do, do those anymore as as last time the, the guy who 
who was uh, who was placed second. He was uh, a Russian guy, and he he actually died. So so they decided to ban the whole competition, and even the even the Finnish guy who won, he was in a, in a coma for a month. Jeez. Oh my god! Yeah, so that was pretty intense. So wait, what they even... way, to, way to take something that's supposed to be relaxing and turning it into something fucking dangerous. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait. So what's what are the, the the details of this competition? What do you, it's just how long you stay in the sauna or? Yeah, it's like you just have to stay there, and there's like a machine drawing water to the stove every like thirty seconds or something, and uh, it just gets boiling hot. And you, wow. I don't think you're allowed to drink anything. Not even alcohol, so you just, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Um, that's kind of. A... I was also wondering, um, like going back and forth between like extreme heat to that, like jumping into an icy lake. It's like that's that can't be good for you, right? <laughs> well, actually, it is. It's really like, good for it, you. It's really good for your skin, right? Yeah, exactly. But it, yeah, if you have like heart problems and you're like 85 years old then you probably shouldn't do that uh even though all the other finish what about someone who's hung over like all the time that's that's pretty good that's okay. a good good hangover medicine all right cool i'm going to finland i'll see you in a little bit welcome <laughs> he's already not wearing a shirt he's ready yeah yeah oh I, that's I'm in addition to the note in a um is there since it comes in a can i I was just wondering because, like, it's a very American thing to like shotgun beers out of cans. Has anyone done that with long drink? Speaking of drinking traditions, I don't know. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean by that? What shotgun? Sh- shotgun yeah, yeah. I, I've seen that multiple times. We don't really do that in in Finland, though. I know. I was. It's uniquely. It's not intense enough, you know. It's not intense enough for the finish. <laughs> yeah, I, I just wonder. Anytime I see something in a can, I'm assuming that at some point. Some American has poked yes, a hole in it that. and shotgunned it. So. Plenty, plenty of, uh, plenty of. We've seen plenty of messages on on social media with that. Obviously, we're not we're not reposting those, but uh, some of those. You know, Georgia is one of the first states we launched, and I think some of the kids in the University of Georgia got into that pretty quickly. <laughs> I mean, I think that Makes sort sense. of defeats the purpose, right? Again, long drink is implying that it, right. you know you you drink it over a lengthy amount of time. You it's a lower ABV. You're supposed to. It's a session, right? As you said at the yeah. top of the show, at eight, like it's something you can drink all day and still feel good, right? Yep. Well, and that kind of well, seems like it's the whole culture of like, you know, like the long drink, pants drunk, the sauna. It's like, you know, it's not if you turn it into a competition, you're missing the point. It's supposed to be like you, you do it at your own pace and it's relaxing and you're just you're you're not doing it for anybody else or for glory. You're doing it for you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I was curious. I wanted to know, like when you were bringing this to the U.S., how conscious were you at the at the time of hard seltzer? Because I'm just sort of like working backwards in my head here. And like when you said that that you were coming to the U.S. market, how conscious were you of the fact that like that was looming and that maybe people were looking like there was there were these winds in the market of people looking for something that was like bubbly and refreshing, but that wasn't beer or cider. I had never heard of those. I didn't even know what those were. But even when we were doing like trade shows and events, um, we would be next to a, a spiked seltzer booth and uh, people would go there, be like, what is this? So they didn't really know what that was either. And then they would come to the long drink stand and be like, oh, what is this? And uh, so it was kind of the same reaction and kind of like not knowing knowing what it is but even like when they were sam- or when they were sampling us next to those guys they immediately knew that this is this is something totally different well right those drinks are overwhelmingly malt beverages they're effectively beer and yours isn't a beer correct you your spirits exactly and yeah exactly yeah, yeah. spirits so and people juices really, and seltzer yeah so people really they understand that and they they appreciate that yeah, I think the the common misconception with the American consumer is that all those all those drinks are vodka seltzer, and they're not. They're they're right. a, they're a brewed product that's made to taste like that, but it's still effectively beer. And your product yeah. is not. I think yeah. people are learning that though. I mean, that's again, we we really had we when we came to do this, it wasn't. 
I wish I could say we were super smart, knew the market. It really was just, hey, this is a tasty product and has a great story. Let's give it a shot. Um, but it, it's been interesting because a lot of people, I think, did think the seltzers were, seltzers were vodka sodas or whatever. And I think a lot of people, not a lot, but certainly a meaningful amount of people in the past you know, six to eight months have started to recognize that there's a difference. And I think, you know, especially the more quality conscious folks are looking for how can they find better ingredients, often more liquor instead of malt. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully the, you know, this ends up being one of those products that they'll try and be like, yeah, this tastes, tastes great. Absolutely. Well, I remember, you know, I think, I think that now we've had a couple summers with White Claw and people starting to, you know, the not, the novelty of it is worn off and people are starting to actually ask, you know, how, how is this made? What does this come from? What, what actually is this? Um, I remember very distinctly when I was uh, running a bar on the Upper East Side, uh, I'd just taken over as general manager and one of my reps came to me and they were like, we're working on this new thing. We have it. It's called White Claw. It's like a vodka soda. It's a brewed beverage. It's lightly flavored. It's perfectly clear. Uh, We think it's going to be the next big thing. And I remember very distinctively going, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. (laughs) No one's going to want to drink that. Um, And... I, I mean, clearly I was wrong in the short term, but I feel like people eventually, you know, once the, the you know, the new car smell wears off, people are going to start to get curious about what is actually in it. And they're going to start to look for something right. that's actually made with quality and, you know, real gin and that is, you know, still refreshing, but better. <laughs> and again... And again, I think it's pretty remarkable to note that your price point is still uh, right in competition with that, even though you have a much greater ABV, and that's typically what pushes prices up, right, is the, the taxes that you get charged on, on each each container. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things, too, we learned when we, when we brought this product to the U.S., is that being a liquor, it's taxed much differently than, than a beer, because, you know, White Claws and those are all beers. So you know, the, this, the price actually varies from state to state pretty wildly with long drink, but we we charge the same on our end. It's just the, the states some, in some places take a lot more than others. So you have some states where it might be $9.99. You have other states where it might be $12.99 or $13.99 for a six-pack. Um, and that's all just on what, what the state actually charges on the tax side. But, you know, we, we step back and said, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you guys should you guys should reformulate to a malt. And, um, you know, we step back and said, look, that's not what it really is. And we're not, we don't want to go with a quick buck. We want to actually make something that tastes good because we're really doing this for us. Uh, we think it tastes great, and um, you know we don't want to just like go for the easy buck and try to make something that's simple and can be, you know, taxed less. Wow, integrity! <laughs> an, an unusual trait. An unusual trait with a lot of liquor sellers in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, mean, I think I think the decision was we thought we'd be better off doing this though, you know, because the whole idea was it tastes good, and if you ruin the taste, it doesn't matter. And it seems like a lot of people out there, like I, think, I, don't, I don't, won't name any names. But I think a lot of folks just throwing stuff out because they know consumers will try new things. And as you said a few minutes ago, like I think everybody's going to try something. It's a question if they buy it again. Yeah. That second purchase. So uh, that's, that's what's been going on thus far. What's your at least short term vision of how you're going to continue to market and get out there? Uh, and, and, and how else can you, you know, be a part of the community that, that you're trying to break into? What's, what's the next steps for, for long drink? I think I think really we're you know the pan strengthening has been great. It, you know it's been going on for a couple months now, so who knows how much longer people want to keep doing that? Who knows? But um, I, I think what we'll, what we're really trying to do is just support people who really like the brand. Uh, we certainly you know pan strengthening has really been the only kind of you know PR or marketing campaign we've ever done in the past two years. The rest has just been getting in front of people that like it and support the people who love it. And and frankly, the really reason it grows is because people tell their friends about. It. They're like, wow, you got to try this. And there's always the same the same reaction when somebody tries it. It's hard to explain. Somebody puts it to their mouth, they try it, and they're like, oh, wow, it's not what I expected, and it tastes good. Um, same same experience I had in Finland. And uh, so I think what we're trying to do is just support that as much as we can, just encourage people to have their friends try one, to talk about it. And uh, I think that, that support of the people, the drinkers, and a lot of those, pe- it, those people are in, people in the industry, by the way. I mean, the, the folks in the industry, because it's such a, it's a real liquor product, so I think a lot of you know, bartenders and people who respect ingredients have been very supportive of this and especially because it's not pulling from quality craft cocktails um i think the more we can support that those people the better yeah i assume that uh your distribution is a main focus right now as well right yeah yeah and we work we work with a few different ones southern glaciers doing most of the new states that we're launching with so they've been very supportive yeah but 
I think the vision really is, like I said earlier, we, we want to build long drink into a category in the U.S. just like it is in Finland. Right. Yeah. So the more aggressively we can get out there, the better. Sounds great. Um, and really do appreciate your support of the community by donating uh, money to the USBG with every post uh, that comes up on your Instagram, which, again, is the long drink all spelled out on Instagram. You can go on there and check out the – there's a post that tells you all the uh, uh, parameters of, of, of joining into the movement and get some, you know, do some good while you're drinking. Do good while being bad, I always say. Um, <laughs> um, and again, you're The Long Drink on Instagram. It's The Long Drink Company on Facebook. Uh, you are available for delivery through Drizzly, at least I see, and some others, I'm sure. Um, really good to have you guys on the show today. Uh, and thanks for thanks for taking time out of your your, your day to, to not be pants drunk and talk to us. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for... for uh, furnishing us with the, the opportunity to drink with less clothing, and, <laughs> and, we'll, have to, uh, we'll have to get a new name for for drinking without a shirt, so you can you can lean into that. Hey man, I'm I, I just I'm just gonna start calling it sauna drinking, sauna sauna <laughs> chic. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, it's really been great talking with you about this awesome drink. Um, I can't wait to get some out here in California because it's camping season, and this is perfect thing for it. So I look forward to that. So check out the long drink and uh, send them pictures of you without clothes on and they'll post them and give money to people who need it. All right, cool. Thanks a lot. That's it for the speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station and that helps out a lot of other people as well. And uh, until next week, cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Get this. <laughs> so you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load Knows that country music's gonna save your soul The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues That's him It's gonna get you some in the end The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network Food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fair, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.